our series selfies on Everest. How many of you have gotten something out of it? It's been really, really good, right? Table groups just started last week, so hopefully you got yourself plugged into a table group as well. It's going to be an amazing semester. So today, as you see behind me, we've got this beautiful panel. They are going to be doing five minutes each and sharing with you what has kind of been laid on their heart in regards to better together. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right, so we're going to start with Steven, who just came off the drums, so it's not super fair for him to like air out a little bit and get ready, but here we go. Steven? Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good, good. Well, uh, as many of you know, I'm a, a man of few words, so doing this is always fun. Uh, when you know my family, you know I, I, I like to reserve the word count because uh, my wife, she likes to, to extend the word count, so I think we're a good balance out. Uh, when we got the, the invite to do this, uh, I began just kind of thinking about uh, Better Together and just how really growing up, this is probably, I'm the last person that should have been talking about being better and being together. I'm the guy that likes uh, those, those picturesque moments where it's a cabin in the middle of nowhere, there's a nice little lake and creek, or creek by itself, it's just that, my little house, my own little thing. Uh, and as I've grown up, I've, I've held on to that. I feel like where that's kind of my space. I, I need my away time, I need to be, be away and do my own thing. But uh, really, as, as the time has gone, I found that that is is great in certain instances, but uh, in this phase of life, it's actually a detriment. Uh, And it really hit home this week as I was preparing for this, as I was talking with my kids, um, as parents do, about anything random. Uh, This week we were talking about our favorite animals, uh, and you know when you have an eight-year-old and a soon-to-be six-year-old, where that conversation can go. Uh, we spent half the time on the, the validity of the unicorn, uh, which is my eight-year-old. That, that's her thing. Uh, and then since she can have a unicorn, my son said, well, then I can have the three-headed dog from Hercules. So that, that was how that conversation went. And they got to me, Dad, what's your favorite animal? And I, I began to talk about just kind of lions and kind of how I love them and the manes and the roar. Uh, and my daughter looked at me and said, you're missing the best part of the lion, Dad. And I was like, what is it? It's the pride. It's all of them together. Uh, So I'm focusing today just on pride. Uh, We're better together through our pride, which is better yet said through our community. Um, Through through the lions, I was able to find out that some hunt, uh, some teach, even the male lions pretend to be hurt as the youngest learn uh, the best way to bite in for the kills and things. So I want you guys to quickly, five things that I gathered of what it means to be in a community for us. And for me, my definition of community uh, it's like the third one down on Webster's Dictionary. Uh, it's active participation and ownership. So it's you have to participate in order to be considered a part of the community. So the first one is encouragement. Uh, in moments like this, when you have a panel of people who may be doing something outside of their wheelhouse, it's always fun to see smiling and encouraging faces. Uh, it's modeled to us in Galatians 6. Bear another's burdens and fulfill the love of Christ. So Galatians 6. 
Uh, the next one is support, uh, found in Romans 12 and 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. As you see when we did the prayers this morning, uh, it's not just about us individually, but what is us as a community? What are we dealing with? Uh, what are our various uh, natures? And one of the things that I find fun is when you kind of look out over the sea of the well, uh, you've got doctors, you've got lawyers, you've got real estate agents, you've got teachers, and we're able to support each other in our various facets of life. Um, one of my favorite one that I don't think we talk about a lot unless you're like in men's group uh, is accountability. Uh, the iron sharpens iron. Uh, we, we find this in our table groups, but whatever that is for you or whatever the thing you may be struggling in in life or, or dealing with in life, your iron will sharpen iron and, and that's part of the community here. Uh, my, my last two are my favorite. Uh, it's a place to grow. Uh, it's a place where you can, whether uh, it's in your personal walk with God, it's in the things that you struggle with uh, in your day-to-day life, it's a, a place where parents can get around like-minded parents, it's a place where singles can be around other singles with like-minded uh, thoughts, and really uplift everyone. Uh, that one is found uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I will just say for time, go ahead and read that one on your own. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite is it's a place to pray and a place to worship. Uh, it's a place to just be vulnerable and abandon all reserve. Uh, and in this moment, in the day and time we live in, that encouragement that you can get just through hearing the voice uh, of someone next to you, whether it's on key or for me as a drummer watching you be offbeat, uh, it's still <laughs> uplifting to see us all be passionate in our prayer and our worship. Uh, you can find that uh, in James 5 and 16. Uh, but really worship and prayer, they build something unique in us. Uh, it builds a position of gratitude. Uh, that it's not just me, but this is us and what we have to be thankful for. Uh, so I will leave you with this final thought. God's call us to be better together, simply as a pool to move beyond our own isolated private lives and live lives of meaning and purpose in what we call the community. Uh, so enjoy this pride and protect it. We're better together. Awesome job, Stephen. Awesome job. I love that picture of the lion. That's beautiful. All right, so next up is Cynthia. You have seen her on the worship team. She's now also playing the keys while she sings. So talented girl right here. Talented. Here we go. Okay, thank you for that, Pastor Kaisa. All right, so I, as I was thinking about what I wanted to say today, what I wanted to share, um, it's really a simple idea, I think. It's just the idea that when we do life together as a community, we create a space that's safe and secure, a space that enables us to say yes to God when we might not otherwise have said yes to him. And so when you know you have that safe space created by your community, it gives you courage to, to say yes and be obedient when God asks, even if it stretches you. Because you know that your other needs will be taken care of by your community. So um, I wanted to use a real life example so um, to kind of give some context and illustrate the point. So uh, a little bit of background about me. I have been living, for those of you who don't know me very well, I've been living in Utah for about six and a half years now, which is a long time, almost seven years now. And, um, and I've been at the well that whole time, and I can really truly say I don't have any, any family in state, so all my family lives out, out of state. And um, I have to say that the well is truly my family here. And they have been for this whole time through all the things that I've gone through. Um, and so that is really the context for kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And also, another thing I should mention is that I have a son, and he's three and a half, 
And that's all you have to know. He's three and a half. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, my son was one and a half, and he needed, um, he was having a lot of ear infections, so he needed to have this procedure done where he had ear tubes put in. And for some reason, I was just filled with fear. I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know how I was going to get through it. It seemed like an irrational fear, but I didn't know how to get through it. And I, at the time, I was leading a table group. And by the way, table groups, that's how we, one way we do community around here. They're amazing. So I was leading this wonderful table group full of these just amazing women. And they, I let them know what was going on, what I was afraid of. They were praying for me. They were supporting me and encouraging me. But I was still afraid. And on that morning of the procedure, I woke up somehow, I don't know how, but I got my son and I drove us to the doctor's office. This was at like four, you know, really early in the morning. And I was sitting there in the waiting room just trembling, like, how am I going to do this? Um, And then I looked up and I saw one of the ladies from my table group walking through the doors with coffee in hand for me. So it was win-win. It really was. And she had come to support me because she knew how fearful I was and she knew in her heart that I needed somebody there with me that day. And that's the kind of thing that my community does for me and did for me that day. And um, just long story short, she stayed with me through the whole thing. My son was fine, you know, no glitches or anything. So everything turned out great but she sat with me in her presence immediately calmed me and what it told me was that I'm not alone and me and my son are not alone and I don't have to sit here and worry and fear all the time anymore I can put that aside know that my community has got me I've got that safe space in them and that whatever is coming next I can say yes to because I'm not I'm not worried about how who's going to take care of us that's taken care of already so um, I wanted to share a scripture. It's Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. And it says, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that you know, Christ is the one who makes the body grow, and we are the ones that do that in love with each other in community. So I just wanted to encourage you all today. Um, I hope that this was encouraging to you, and thank you. Awesome job. I, uh, I don't know if you caught, but Stephen mentioned Ephesians 4, and so did Cynthia. So I think there's something to be said here. Go home and check out Ephesians 4, okay? I think God, God is saying something through that. All right, next up is Devon. Well, good morning. How are we doing? So, when I think about being better together, I started thinking about um, my leadership, my new leadership as a worship director, and just how, you know, you find yourself in a lot of different spaces, but then I also think about being a father, being a husband, being a son, and being a brother to my brother who was just on stage with me, and my sister who was here earlier. And you can find yourself within these different dynamics in a place of 
anxiety, frustration, confusion, because that's what relationships are. And so I wanted to focus on like our habits. What are our habits? But one in particular, um, because how many of you know it's really important to go to God before anything? And so I, even um, God had to correct me with my child when she wakes up at 2 a.m. Anybody have a, a child? And you remember those horrible moments? Yeah, not good. And so when you're sitting there in your bed, stop, just go to sleep, please. But God had to correct me. He, had to, he was just like, no, come to me first. And so I had to learn the discipline of coming to God first. And so he left me with a choice. Either you complain about it or you come to me. And so I want to talk about how we are better together when we stop, we, we silence the complainer and activate the prayer. And so in uh, Philippians 4, it says, and six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so the part I want to focus on is, but in everything by prayer and supplication. God wants us to come to him with everything. Not just the things that we think are important or the things that we think are worth his time, but everything continuously. Notice that it says prayer and supplication. Supplication, that definition is to ask, beg, earnestly, humbly. So when you're begging for something, you desperately want it. You keep asking for it. And that's how he wants us to come to him. The reason I believe this is a good focus is because we must go to him before we go to anybody else. Spouse, friend, confidant. We go to God first. It's just like tithing. When you give your 10%, he blesses the rest. When you come to him first, he blesses the rest of your day. He blesses the rest of that situation. And so why do I say silence the complainer? Because working with people, guys, is hard. Can I get an amen? And a lot of times, uh, venting is, it feels good. Witness, who, who likes to vent? I see you, I see you. And, but God wants us to come to him like that. We have to stop thinking that we could only come to God when we have everything put together. We, he, wants to, he wants our frustration. He wants to trade our frustration with his joy, trade our anxiousness with his peace. And so we have to, we silence the complainer because we waste a lot of energy. A lot of energy just staying mad at that person or whatever the event is. And so let's go to God first so that he could change our hearts and our minds. So if we read the scripture again, but this time adding verse seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So notice that it says God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds. So when we have things that irk us, things that confuse us, things that make us anxious, we have a different reaction. Why? Because we let God build a barrier around our hearts and our minds. And so every time we come to him, that's another brick that's added to that barrier. Every time we come to him, just another brick. And so therefore, when anything that is opposing peace tries to come, it can't get in because there's now a barrier around your heart and your mind. And so I want us to remember these things so when we go into life, because it's probably going to happen once you walk out of this place, that something's going to irk you, something's going to confuse you, something's going to make you anxious. Let's go to God first. Let's not tell our spouse. Let's not tell our confidant. Let's not tell our best friend. Let's pray to God and say, God, you know this situation. 
let me be humble and come to you and say, work it out. And so I think we are better when we silence the complainer and activate the prayer, and that's how we're better together. Thank you, guys. Nice job, Devon. I love the idea of the peace that passes everything, right? That That is our, our compass. I, I like the idea of saying, like, God, man, where is your peace, God? Where can I find that? Where am I content and in order and in peace? Let me go that way, right? So finding your peace. So Karen is up next. And for those of you that might not know Karen, she is Pastor Jason's executive assistant. She helps with all sorts of other things. And I know she would be more more comfortable behind the scenes, but here she is today, and I know she's got an amazing word, so here we go, Karen. Thank you, Pastor Kaisa. So I'm speaking to you today from the place of better together happens when I strive to be at my best. During this sermon series, a picture of a climber was shown from behind that was part of a Mount Everest team. And the Sherpa that was uh, guiding that group had made the comment that this climber should have never been on the ascent because he was a liability to his teammates. His helmet was clipped onto his backpack instead of securely on his head. The climbing harness was not attached properly, and the list goes on. Overall, the comments made in the magazine article by the Sherpa illustrated the lack of trust the Sherpa had in this climber, and not only that, but the concern for the well-being of the other climbers that they were with. So throughout this sermon series, we've been talking about the value of community, and I found myself always looking outward, externally, saying, is that the right community for me? Is that person the right friend for me? And during that message, I felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me and asking me, but Karen, are you the right teammate for them? Are your habits, your attitudes, your preparations spiritually each day making you the weakest link or the climb leader? So I began asking myself, is my helmet, my foundation of salvation, sturdy and secure in my mind? Am I renewing my thoughts each day and chasing after the mind and attitude of Christ? Have I secured truth around my waist by focusing on Christ and his word and not the culture in which I live? Sound familiar? This is the armor of God that we're told about in Ephesians 6.10 that we should equip ourselves with each day. If you get to know me and you talk to me for longer than 10 minutes, you'll realize I am a process person. I love spreadsheets, charts, and checklists. Oh, I love checklists. So I would like to share with you a quick mental checklist that I have given myself since that day to try and make sure that I'm always working on not being a stumbling block to others. I make up your community, and I want you to feel like we, you and I, truly are better together. So every time I walk into a situation, I want to try and be able to check these things off on my list. Number one, do I bring love wherever I go? Not the mushy kind of love that inspires a Hallmark movie director. The God kind of love that transcends my human ability. The kind of love that causes you to seek God more. The kind of love that forgives. 
simplified is my first reaction to think the best about you and not assume the worst. My initial reaction should not be offense. It should be to try and understand your story, who you are, and where you're coming from. Number two, do I shine light wherever it's dark? Is my perspective a heavenly perspective, or am I only looking at the circumstances to determine security and peace? When we walk away from a conversation with each other, have I chosen my words carefully, prayed for you, and helped you to keep your eyes on the shepherd and not on the shadows? Number three, do I leave blessings wherever I have been? Have my words to you been living water? Have I said something to build you up and encourage you and refresh you? We get so busy with life and schedules and tasks that I think so many times we forget to plant beautiful seeds. Jesus affected people's lives in a way that they were changed simply by being in his presence. So I have to ask myself every day, if I'm truly made in the image of my heavenly father, are people better because they have spent time with me? How we are better together is if we follow the advice of Romans 12.10. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. I came across a saying written by an unknown author the other day, and it goes like this. I just love it. A friend is one to whom you can pour out the contents of your heart, chaff and grain alike, knowing that the gentlest of hands will take and sift it, keep what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness just blow the rest away. Clark and I have found that in so many of you here at the well. May we as the church community strive to be that type of friend to our community, Salt Lake City, the world, and each other in this church family as we lock arms and step out together on this climb called life. Beautiful job. Thanks, Karen. I think that that is the heart, right? That we come in here every single week, get cultured, get renewed, get refreshed, and get out into our communities. So, Pastor Dave. Well, how's it going? Good. All right, I'm going to start my session by asking two questions. First one is this. How many of you like to be built up and encouraged by others? I thought it would be 100%. Maybe you just didn't hear the question. That's okay. That's all right. We'll just go to the next question. How many of you like to be torn down and discouraged by others? Nobody raised their hand, just as I suspected. Today I'm going to be talking about the principle of encouragement. And this is based on 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up. This is a mandate for us together to be better together. It's a mandate from the Bible to encourage one another. So if it's in the Bible, it must be pretty important for us to do. And based on your responses just a moment ago, I'd say that collectively, encouragement is important to each and every one of us. The words have power. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So not only do our words go and affect our minds and our hearts, 
but they actually affect our bodies as well. Let me explain. Psychologists have actually studied words and found that they have a major impact on the human brain. Research has shown that brain function is, is at its very best when processing positive words over negative words. God knew what he was doing when he said to encourage one another. I love it when science catches up to God. <laughs> And I view encouragement as refreshment. And I think about when you're out in the yard working on a hot summer day or you're running a marathon or whatever, and it's been a while since you've had a drink of water and you get your hands on that ice cold bevy <laughs> beverage. Yeah, bevy, it's shorter, so. You take a drink of the bevy and you can literally feel the liquid going down your throat and it, and it rests there in your guts. You know what I'm talking about? You know that refreshing feeling that you get from drinking that water? Well, I believe that encouragement is the same way to our hearts and our minds. When we receive encouragement from one another, we're refreshed. And when we give encouragement to one another, we're refreshing them the same way. So I believe that we can speak truth to one another. We can speak so much encouragement and life to one another that we can help them, help them stay the course of their callings. Wow. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage each other daily. Not once in a while. Yeah. Daily. While it is still called today. Do we have the opportunity to be advocates of encouragement no matter where we're at? No matter what relationship we're in? No matter what group of people we're in? We can be advocates of encouragement and change the atmosphere with our words. See, I recently just stepped into a new role at work. For those of you that don't know, I'm a full-time firefighter by trade. And I stepped into this new role. And it's more difficult than the last one I had. It requires more leadership skill and more discipline. And there was moments, if I'm telling the truth, there's moments where I said, do I have what this takes? I had doubt, fear, insecurity that I was battling. And I was trying to anchor myself in the truth of God individually. But there was also a group of people that surrounded me that started speaking encouragement into my life. When I was down here, they brought me up here because of their encouragement. Namely, my wife, Pastor Sarah, she was saying things like this. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. He is for you. He's not against you. These are the things that she was building me up with in my moments of weakness. We have power to change the atmosphere with our words. And I would like to encourage all of us, as we're talking about encouragement, to be speakers of truth, to be speakers of life to people, to encourage one another. Let's not just be receivers of encouragement, but let's be speakers of encouragement. Let's change the atmospheres. Let's be thermostats and not just thermometers. Thermostats control the temperature. Thermometers just gauge it. Let's be thermostats. And ultimately, let's encourage others to anchor their identities in God and his truth about them. And that starts by us anchoring ourselves in the truth of who God says we are. Because once we're anchored into the ultimate encouragement, the ultimate encourager, we have all the encouragement in the world to spew out to everybody else around us.